0: You're listening to a Sunday morning message from Hope Church Frankfurt. If you want more information about our church, text HOPE23 to 55498. We hope you enjoy this week's message. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 2. It's going to be on the screen behind me if you don't have them. We're starting in verse 8, and we're going to be reading all the way through verse 20. This is a familiar passage if you're reading Luke, and it says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone on them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with an angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The title of my message this morning, if you're taking notes, is this. It's a search for joy. A search for joy. Let's pray one more time. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you're here in this room and we pray this morning that you would be glorified that you are our joy, you are our peace, you are the reason for the season, you are the reason behind everything that we have. We thank you today for who you are. We love you today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Now, I don't know if it's because I'm getting a little bit older, um, but I find myself looking for joy a lot in life, looking for little moments of joy. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Little moments of joy that can just stick with you. And last night, uh, Abby Hudson and I drove to Aurora, and we were, went to go see the lights. It was through this, you drive through the zoo, it was a drive-through light show. And so we were driving through, and, and we were looking at all of the lights, and the, the fun part about it wasn't the line that we had to wait in for an hour and a half, there must have been 100,000 people in this line, it was ridiculous, right? But it was awesome, it was a great light show, if you want to check it out and, and wait 45 minutes, go for it. Uh, It's about an hour and a half away. So, but we went there and that wasn't the joyous part. It wasn't the Christmas music, but it was Hudson sitting in between us as we inched along, just looking at all of these lights and be like, oh, did you see that? Did you see that? Did you see that? Oh, that's like, a, that's like an ice skating rink. That guy fell over. Or look, at there's an elephant. And I'm like, why is there an elephant in Christmas? I don't understand, you know, but they had an elephant there. I guess it's a zoo, right? And, and just all of these cool lights and just look at the reindeer or going under a light thing. All of the joy and the awe that he had, that was the beautiful thing about it. And I always used to think it was silly when adults would tell you, and maybe this is at your birthday or at a Christmas party, When all the adults are, like, telling all the other kids to be quiet so they can watch the gift that they gave to that kid. Have we ever been there? Have we ever told someone to move out of the way so that we can see the gift that we're going to give to this person? I was always like, what's their problem? You know what I mean? Like, do they, like, why are they doing this? And now I know. Because that little joy when they're ripping open that gift or that joy when they see what it is for the first time, it's like you want to bottle that up. Because sometimes life can be so difficult. Life can be so difficult. It can smack you in the face. It can be hard. So it seems fitting that we want to bottle up these little moments of joy to hang on to because life can be so hard. Did you know that according to a study, and this is a study done in 2012, there are over 8 million different books with the title Happy in them. 8 million books that have happiness or happy in the title telling you how to be happy either solve or help or develop happiness why are we so obsessed with being happy why are we so obsessed with these these times you know we were living in the this is the most wonderful time of the year but so many times it cannot feel like that I always think of one thing that my old senior pastor used to say he used to say this about ministry he said ministry is a full contact sport nobody's running around pulling your flags he's like they're going for the knockout they want a concussion." Right, And I think that's the reality of life. Life is a full contact sport. People in the day-to-day, they're looking to knock you out. They're not looking to just pull a flag and say, I got gotcha. you. It's a full contact sport. Not to demonize anyone, but the reality is whether it's somebody, whether it's a situation, whether it's stress or anxiety or depression, there are things that want to knock us down. And life can certainly feel like this. And human history, as you look back through it, it's not just a joy fest throughout human history. The biblical narrative and the, sh- the story of the Bible shows us the corruption of our own selfishness and the corruption of our sin and what happens and how broken we truly are. The story of the Bible is a beautiful one, but it's also marked by death and loss and pain. But in this, we have hope. Because the biblical faith offers a unique perspective on joy. Joy. It's an attitude that God's people adapt, not because of happy circumstances, not because of things that are going in the right direction, but our joy is based on the hope and promise found in Jesus. We're not in search for happiness. We're in search for joy. Luckily, this morning I came to tell you that joy can come in the person of Jesus into your life. This world, happiness is so fleeting. But we're searching for something that's so much deeper let me give you a little context to what's happening before the story we didn't read all of it but what's happening in the story is caesar augustus has declared that everyone must return to their hometown for a census of the empire how many of us remember the 2020 census when all of a sudden you had some random person knocking on your door using your doorbell how many of us don't even have a doorbell because no one comes to our front door anymore right it's like we're like what 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 do what do you want Is this a scam? You know, you want to know my name? No, I'm not telling you my name, right? Imagine this back then, right? The census that was happening. Can you imagine the disruption that it caused? I think when I always think about the paintings and the movies about Mary and Joseph heading off to Bethlehem, it's always like this peaceful road. No one's there. That's not how it was. I mean, the reality is, is it was like I-80 on a Friday at 3 o'clock. Like it was log jammed. It was rough, right? From Nazareth to Bethlehem, it would have been jammed with travelers. And travel would have been even more difficult for Mary who had been eight or nine months pregnant at the time. And when they finally reached Bethlehem, Joseph and Mary, they found it packed to the gills with people who had gotten there early. People who planned a little bit better. They took the early megabus and they made it there before them. These whole families arrived with children and servants and, and they had animals. They had all these ways to make it there. And not everyone could fit in the available rooms. So the courtyards would have been like a scene out of a movie. They would have been making fires in the middle of the courtyard. They would have been sleeping on the floor. It was just this, this picture that I can't even describe to you how many people were jammed into this one little place. Peace and quiet would have been the last thing that you would have been able to find in this area. The stables would have been filled with the animals from these travelers, and space for this young couple would have been limited. And Mary, when she went into labor, all peace and calm would have completely disappeared. And luckily for Joseph, men at this time didn't even, they, their, their bride went into labor, and they were like, see ya in a couple days, and they left. Like, that is literally what happened. And then the women in their life would come around, and, and, and there's maybe some men who have done that here at I wouldn't, but, you know, go for it. Do you, man. And, and so Joseph is gone, but Mary is going through this. And think about that. They traveled there alone, so she doesn't know anyone. Most likely they would have just pulled in random people off the street to help her with this process. Mary's birthing cries, a newborn baby cry, thrilling the songs of celebration. Everyone's joyful when you see newborn baby Jesus break into the existence. Now, I don't know if anyone in the room, maybe you've experienced the joy of seeing a baby born, but it's one of the most incredible things. I'll never forget when Hudson was born. He was born six weeks early. So as we were in the, uh, the room and, and they were the, all the doctors were in there, there were specifically three extra doctors in there from the NICU because he was six weeks early. So they thought he was going to be really small. And I'll never forget, you know, after Hudson comes out and the crying and the screaming and it's just the most incredible thing. One of the NICU doctors goes, this has to be wrong. This baby's huge. Like, she goes, and literally the doctor said to Abby, good thing he came six weeks early. That's what she said. Like, it was like, whoa. Like, they were all like, the NICU doctor was like, why am I here? This baby's huge. Like, this is this is crazy. This whole experience of Hudson being born, I can't even describe it when I think about it. There's just so much joy that I think about. And the reality is, is how many of us in the room, when we see a baby, we're like, I got to hold that baby. Leah's not here, so we can't make a joke about her. But you all know, a baby walks in, you hear her from the other side of the room, right? Oh, we got to get to the baby, right? We got to hold the baby. Why? Because when you're holding a baby, it's like nothing else matters in the world. There's just a joy. That's where Mary's at in this moment. That's where Mary and Joseph are at leading up to this moment. Jesus has been born. The hope has come. And in a field outside of Bethlehem are these shepherds, these group of shepherds that are watching their sheep and flocks at night. Now, typically, when we think about shepherds from the Christmas story, What I think about is like cute little boys. And maybe it's because Christmas program's going up in church, right? But you always think about the little kids who are like baggy clothes on and they're holding their staffs, right? You always think about the cute little boys. That's not the reality. These shepherds were tough guys. Like they were Union 260 or something. You know what I mean? Like they were like blue-collar dudes that were out in the field, hard-nosed, hanging out with, with the sheep, taking care of them. They were anything but cute and small. They were the lowest of the low in the Jewish society. In fact, they were given this so that they would stay away from all of the people, stay out in the shepherds, stay out in the fields, don't come near us, is what people said. They were a nomadic group who lived off the grid and they would travel in the pastures. Single men without children and they were definitely not clean and didn't smell good. They were considered second class and untrustworthy. Now check this out. These are the last people on earth that any of the biblical experts thought the Messiah would be revealed to. But actually, when you understand who they are, they might be the most qualified. Let me explain it to you. I'd never seen this before, but it's really interesting in some study and a lot of times I do study as a group. And what I mean by that is I mean me and Abby talk about the messages. She has all the good, good ideas and I steal them on Sunday morning. <laughs> so we were talking about this. And these shepherds, I want you to get this. They're in the field outside of Bethlehem, right? So we know that because it says that in the same country that Mary and Joseph were in, outside in the same country were the shepherds, right? You see that in the scripture right there in front of you. They were in the, in, in the fields out there. These shepherds specifically from this area in Bethlehem were known for tending the sheep that were specifically designed and created for the temple sacrifice. So that means that these shepherds were specifically trained to not only know what to look for, but how to examine the perfect lambs that would be sacrificed for the sins of the people in Bethlehem. They were the ones who knew what was good or bad and what would be right to be sacrificed. Remember in Exodus chapter 12, I have it on the screen behind me. This is what they would be looking for. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the, gro- from the goats, and you will keep it until the 14th day of this month when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. These shepherds were experts at looking through these sheep and lambs to make sure that they had no blemishes on them, to make sure that they were perfect so at the 14th day they would be able to be a willing and good sacrifice f- to be killed for our sins. I'd never seen this before. And I think the reality is God knew exactly what he was doing when he announced the birth of his son to these lowly shepherds, these people that get a bad rap these lowly shepherds in the middle of a field. These same shepherds are the ones who were preparing the lamb for a slaughter. These same shepherds are the ones who run and see Jesus lying in a manger, another lamb that they checked would eventually be slaughtered. Look at the poetry of God. It's beautiful. I don't think this is by accident. That in the middle of this country, these are the specific shepherds that went to examine Jesus. This is God saying from the very beginning of Jesus' life, my son came to die. He came to be the sacrifice, the atoning sacrifice for all sins. The perfect lamb of Jesus, who was born without blemish, who lived a life without sin, was held on a cross for the sins of the world. So often it had been preached in my mind, and I've even preached this before, to be honest, that it was these, like it was these lowly shepherds, and it was an easy preaching moment for me. It was if God can reveal himself to these lowly shepherds that are that are so worthless, then he can reveal himself to us. Right? It's an easy preaching point. But I think I mix and and miss the complexity and the intricacy of God and his handwriting on the gospel. He was so thoughtful, so detailed, that he made sure it was these specific shepherds that checked him out. And he said, you go and check out this lamb without a blemish. I hope that brings you some joy this morning. Because I know as I was reading about it, it kind of got me all fired up. Like I was like, whoa, I wonder else what's in the Bible that I don't understand. That I've been reading over again and again and I just don't get it. That God took a beautiful picture and he painted it so more detailed than I could ever understand. I can't help but think, what is God painting in your story that you've been looking over again and again and again? And you thought, I'm just a lowly shepherd. Or you thought, this doesn't mean anything. This is just a throwaway paragraph. This is just a throwaway season in life. This is just something that doesn't matter. But God may be using this strange or difficult or weird part of your story to bring out Jesus. It might be that God is just working something in your life that at the exact right time you would be in the exact right field to come and welcome his son. The angel of the Lord appears to these men in the fields and their first response is absolute terror. They're fearful because the glory of the Lord shines around them. Right? They're they're afraid. It must have been an overwhelming experience. Look at the first words that the angel says Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I believe these words that are spoken, do not be afraid, are spoken over us today. I think there's some people in here, you're facing a painful situation. Do not be afraid. A difficult situation, an unfavorable diagnosis. A relationship that feels like it can't be restored. An anxiety that feels crippling. Do not be afraid. It's not because of who we are that we don't have to be afraid. But it's because of who was born. The joy into the world that we don't have to be afraid. The angel says he brings good news that will be great joy. For what? For all people. Maybe you could use some good news today. Because maybe you're sitting here thinking, my spirit doesn't know any peace. I haven't known joy in a long time. The good news and the great joy of Jesus is that he came for us. The reality is, is you have not been forgotten by God. In fact, he's come with you in the midst of your struggle. He is the king. He is in charge. He's the one we've been waiting for. The only question is, will we trust him? Will we believe in him? I think the picture of the gospel is us walking into a a situation that's full of turmoil and pain and hurt and loss. Full of confusion, full of fear, and God bringing overwhelming peace and joy. Why? Because he's the prince of peace. You see, peace, it can be experienced in the midst of these chaotic situations because peace is not about your situation it is not about that it's about the reality of who Jesus is if we allow him in the first Christmas the angels brought good news that in the town of David a baby has been born and his name is Jesus he will bring peace Luke is borrowing from the promise in Isaiah talking about Jesus king in on the reality of when David was king in the good old days Everyone who reads this gospel is thinking about the good old days of King David. The good old days when everything was great. This time, however, would be better than David. Because Jesus is the new Adam. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The one who will not sin. The one who will not fall to Satan. And the one who will be sacrificed. This baby that they found wrapped up in a manger is the God of the universe. And he would moved into the neighborhood. This peace would not come from a mortal man. This peace would come from the divine. I want to read a couple of verses again together, starting in verse 13 through 18. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God. Praising God. Listen to this angel is just singing the praises of God. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. Which his favor rests On all who accept him. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go. Let's go see this thing which has happened and which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. What did they go and do? What did they go and do immediately? They said, Let's go. Let's see what happened. As the kids would say, Bet. And they started running, right? Let's go. Let's do this. They didn't wait. The reality is this, is there is power in our immediate faithfulness. There is power in our acts of faith that we don't have to think about. There's power in our quick response to God. Sometimes we say this thing at work, and my boss loves to say this thing, and I love to make fun of him for saying it, but he says we measure 15 times and we cut once. Right? We measure 15 times and we cut one time because we don't want to make a mistake. I just want to share one thing to you this morning. That may be great when you're cutting things, but that's not a good attitude when you're following Jesus. And you think, whoa, whoa, that's strange. Because each time I'm measuring those 15 times before I cut, I'm allowing myself to get in the situation and not trusting God to just do what he said he was going to do. A lot of times I'm sitting here, I'm like, whoa, 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 I got to cut, I got to cut. I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. So I'm going to measure, 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 and then we measure ourselves out of faith. We just walk away. We say, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Have you ever been there? I know I have. There's been conversations or there's been situations where I know God has said something to me. And rather than doing it, I measure. Why? Because I say, well, that's the wise thing to do. I mean, if I was, I'm going to be the fruit of the Spirit, I'm going to be really wise. And, and sure, there is some wisdom. Like, don't, you know, I mean, don't sell everything you have or something crazy. You know what I mean? Like, I get that. Like, I'm not talking about those situations. But we do that with everything. I was talking to a Christian who was like, well, I, I, God told me to tell this person about Jesus. And I, and I just texted them back, so do it. And they're like, but what if they say, say no? I said, okay. I, I really don't know what else to say. So do it. What if they say no? Or what if they don't want to come to church? or Okay. We'll see what happens. But if God told you to, then can we trust him? I think I want to encourage you. And this, is, this may not sound encouraging, but I hope it is. I'm only about 80% sure of the things that I think God is telling me, okay? There's 20% I'm like, I don't know. Could be bad pizza, you know? Like, I'm not sure. And anybody who tells you they're 100% about what God has told them everything in their life is a liar. Because there is no way that we cannot get in our own soul about it. And I don't know what 20% is right and what 20% is wrong. I'm just trying to work it out. And, and I'm just listening to my favorite song, God Will Work It Out, as often as I can. God will work it out. And I think the reality is there's a level of doubt and uncertainty in our relationship of Jesus. I was listening to this theologian, and he, he's a former pastor, theologian. He's written a bunch of incredible books. His name's John Mark Comer. And he was talking about how we've had this new thing in church. How we've created a church where you can be a Christian and not a follower of Jesus. And and he said, here's what we do. We create systems. We create places. We create titles. But we don't push discipleship, sacrifice, humility, and depravity. He said, "We, we can tell someone they're a Christian... And then they don't have to listen to what Jesus says in the Bible. Or they don't have to follow this one because it's kind of weird. He said, but that's not how the church was designed to be. The church was designed to read from the Bible and live it. It was not designed to take out what we want and pick pick and choose. Like there's a verse about gluttony. I hate that verse. Right? Right? It's don't eat too much. Okay. Well, I don't like that one, but I guess I got to listen to it sometimes, right? I'm obviously not doing a great job about that right now. Lord help me. I just, that, and also that joke. I mean, we could laugh, you know, right? I guess not. Okay, cool. Love you guys. No, we created this thing in church. We need spiritual development, and sometimes our spiritual development is we don't have to wait, we have to go. We have to follow Jesus. We have to go. Check this out. When they saw him, right, they saw him, what did they do? They immediately left, and they spread the word about what was happening. They saw this, and they saw Jesus and who he was, these shepherds, and they knew who he was, and they immediately told everyone they could tell. These people that were once outcasts, that were told, don't come near me. We're now the ones running up to everyone saying, Have you heard? Have you heard? When they had seen him, I love that verse that says this When they had seen him, when you truly see Jesus, you understand who he is. When you truly see the beauty and, and the reality of who Jesus is, everything changes. So, my question for you this morning is simple as this Have you seen Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? Have you come to understand his goodness? First of all, if you haven't, then I want to invite you on a journey of laying down your life to trusting in him each and every day. There is no poof, right? It's a process. Sanctification is a process. You are saved immediately through the blood of Jesus and the the words that you speak when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. But you are not sanctified in that moment. You still have to work on some stuff. It may take you a lifetime to work on some stuff. It's a journey. Same as it is as the shepherds. So if you're here and you say, you know what, there's some unrepented things in my life. There's some things that I don't want to deal with. And I I, I feel like I need to move forward. Then I want to encourage you to do that. But I want to end with this verse. It's Luke 2.20. Luke 2.20. It says this. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. They went back to work. They went back to work, but they went back in a different way. They went back glorifying and praising God. They went back filled with joy. True joy. Not based on any circumstance. Not based on any situation. But joy because they had seen Jesus as I was writing this message I realized something very important you don't get to return to where you were before glorifying and praising Jesus if you never take the step of faith to go and find him All of us want the moment when we run into the field and we're glorifying and praising God and we're like, everything's great, everything's good, this is awesome, but the only reason they got that is because they ran. It's because they said, go and see this child. And they say, let's go. They ran off and saw him. We can't get the end result without the first step. So maybe... It's not that God isn't good in our lives. Maybe it's just that we've stopped looking for him. Maybe you've become content in your field. And if an angel were to come in front of your life, your metaphorical field, if an angel were to step into your life, you wouldn't move anyways. You'd think, whatever, this is just another day. Maybe you've become okay with your struggles. Maybe you've become content with where you're at. Rather than running to a baby in a manger, it's easier to stay stuck in our own mess. And we're wondering, why don't we have joy anymore? It's really simple. If you don't run to find him, you cannot come back praising him. So this morning, run to find him. Run to Jesus. Invite him into your your daily life invite him into your mind, invite him into your heart, invite him into your soul. I want to ask with heads bowed, eyes closed all over this room, if you're here and you say, you know what, I just want to invite Jesus into my situation right now. I want to invite Jesus into my situation. I see that God's doing something. I want to get up and move. I want to go. I want to trust him. I want to follow him. I want to take a step of faith. Or you know what, maybe you just want to acknowledge that you've become content in your field and you're not really sure. It feels like joy is hard to find and peace is a place that you no longer know. If that's you and you're here and you say, you know what, I want to take a next step. I want you to pray with me. I want you to pray for me. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to shoot your hand up just so I know who I'm praying for. I'll tell you what, today my hand's raised because I need more of Jesus. I need to be quicker to follow Him. So if that's you on the count of three, you can shoot your hand up. One, two, three. Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah. You can put your hands on. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that you are good. We thank you this morning that you perfectly designed your word to speak to us, that you perfectly and intricately designed it so that the shepherds that were standing outside of Bethlehem could proclaim the reality of that you are the king without blemish, that you are perfect, that you came to be the atoning sacrifice for us, and that when we come and we run and we see who you are back into our life, no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, no matter the diagnosis, and we can go back glorifying and praising you. Today I pray that joy would be found. Today I pray that peace would be found. Today I pray that as we walk into difficult situations, we would walk with the joy that only you can bring. Heavenly Father, we ask in this time that you would fight depression, that you would fight anxiety, that those who are dealing it that they would feel it diminish in their mind. That the things that they fought before, as they give them to you daily, they would continue to trust you and they would see them dissipate. We ask for your strength. We ask for your glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. And if you did, make sure to share it and subscribe to stay up to date with all of our new messages. Thanks for listening. God bless.